Blog Talk Radio. Tonight on Dr. Anonymous Show 189, yes, I am on the road again this Saturday night. And uh, we have Cat that's going to be coming up. We're going to be talking about this. We have uh, some news stories we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about my trip to Seattle this past week. And, yes, I will probably be whining about tonight's Ohio State game. All that and a lot more coming up on the Dr. Anonymous Show starting... Right now. That's right. Welcome to the show that is passionate about medicine and social media. This is the Dr. Anonymous show live on a Saturday night. I'm on the road here. We'll be talking about that here in a little bit. And my name is Mike Sevilla, and I am Dr. Anonymous. You can uh, find out more information about me, but my friends do call me Dr. A, just like all of you out there. You can find me at... uh, DrAnonymous.com, that brings you the most current show schedule, blog posts, and also some TV interviews, me me doing local TV news. You can also put Dr. Anonymous in your uh, favorite search engine. That should be the top link over there. You can also go to DrAnonymous.net. Shout out to all 284 people who like the show, who are friends of the show, you can also bring brings you some exclusive behind the scenes behind the scenes video. Yes, I've had some beverages here tonight. Exclusive behind the scenes video of me doing this show. You can also go to DrAnonymous.org. That brings you to the iTunes page where you can subscribe to this show. And shout out to everybody out there who uh, are listening to this show in real time on your mobile device, including the iPhone, BlackBerry, Palm Pre, Droid. Windows 7 phone just introduced this week. Today is Saturday, October 16th, 2010. That's right. It is Sweetest Day here on the Dr. Anonymous Show. Thank you for joining me here on Sweetest Day. It is 64 degrees here in Dayton, Ohio. I'm in the Dayton, Ohio area here tonight. I'll be talking about that in a little bit in the shadow of... Wright State University and the Boomshoff School of Medicine. We'll be talking about my uh, trip to Seattle this past week. Also, uh, we have Kat on the show. We'll be talking about some news stories. And just as I am broadcasting here, that's right, Ohio State University, the Ohio State University has lost the game to Wisconsin, 31-18, to formerly the number one team 
in the nation. I'll be whining about that during the course of the show. <laughs> but first, I do want to thank Block Talk Radio for featuring the show again here this evening. Those of you who are new to the show, welcome here to the show. I've been a social media hobbyist since 2005, and if you're curious, yes, I am a real physician. I am a family physician here in northeastern Ohio, where I live, where now I am in uh, central western Ohio. I'm in a full-time private practice, and if you're listening live, you can see my shining face here on the webcam here this evening from the hotel room, and yes, there has also already been... An observation that, yes, there is a microwave in the background here. And if you're not listening live, you're listening, missing out on this here. And as you can tell, I've partaken of some beverages already. So uh, it's like blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so before I go to the uh, break here, I do want to uh, give a big shout out to uh, everybody in my chat room here joining me here on a Saturday night here. We do have our good friend, Dr. Jonathan. We also have Potato Chip. This is uh, J-Man from the I'm With Stupid show here on Sunday mornings here on Blog Talk Radio. We also have Jesse Ferg. We have Kimmy. And we have a couple of guests joining here this evening. Thank you for joining me on the show here this evening. And Potato Chip has already said she wants to cry because of the Ohio State loss. I'm kind of bummed about that, too. Uh, um, so we will uh, take our break, and uh, we will bring Kat on the line right after this break. You're listening to the Dr. Anonymous show here on a Saturday night here on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, of course, I am a member of the uh, Family Medicine Education Consortium. You can get there by going to fmec.net. I'm also a member of the Better Health Network at getbetterhealth.com, and also a member of the Pro Med Network of Podcasts. You can get there by going to promednetwork.com. And we will be right back. Dr. Donovan's show live on Blog Talk Radio. And uh, before I bring on Kat here, I haven't played this theme here for a while, so <laughs> I'm looking forward to this. The Night Shift here with Dr. Ann Kat begins right after this theme. <laughs>
And joining me on the line right now, the beautiful, the talented, we all love her, Kat. Welcome back to the show, my friend. I loved that intro. But, I mean, well, I loved the song, of course, because we are the night shift. But <laughs> you say beautiful, what did you say, talented? That's right, because it's, it's all true. It's all good. <laughs> so sweet. I love that. Hello, Doctor Anonymous. How are you tonight? Well, I am doing good. Right. I want to. I want to give a big shout out to my good friend friggin' Ben, who's listening on his phone here tonight. So yeah, he's bumming too. So yeah, just uh, just real time. This show is all about live. This all this show is about real time, and uh, it's real time that. Uh, Yes, they lost. And yes, your good friend Potato Chip Cheeto is uh, Cheeto's giving uh, you getting, getting a big shout out there, Cheeto from uh, from uh, Potato Chip. Potato Chip, hey, Potato Chip. I love Potato Chip. I love her. She's one of my heroes. I have to say that she is so awesome. I have to say. So, uh, so how you doing? How was your week? I know you were working today, and uh, so how's how's life treating you these days, there, Kat? Life is good. Okay, last Saturday, I had just gotten over being sick. Right? We were talking yeah. about that. Okay, and I did fine Sunday, and Monday it came back. And came I was back. For, yeah, my cold came back. Like I thought it was done, and then it came back. And I had it for a few more days, but, you know, I, I didn't have to work anyway, so it was no big deal. And then I worked today and yesterday, and, of course, it's busy as usual. Um, but today, actually, even though it was very busy, it wasn't, like, as busy it is, as it is normally. And um, so only, like, 95% of my body hurts and not 100%. So that's awesome. Wow. <laughs> is, is it and still LSU's busy? Is this, is this time still busy? Oh yeah, yeah. We'll we'll talk about it. Yeah, let's uh, let's see. Let me look up the score here. LSU here. So are are you are you watching the game? Can you see the game tonight? What uh, what's the, what's the story with that there, Kat? Well, that's the sad part. That's the very very sad part. You see, okay, my dad always lets me know every week. You know what channel they're playing and everything, you know, because he knows how much I love my Tigers. And he said Fox Sports tonight. And I can't find it anywhere on my thing, on my thing, on my thing. What do you call it? You're like television? Well, my television, but like the guide. I was looking all over the place. I I even went up into the, the, you know, the music channels that they have, you know, where they have different music stations. I looked all over the place. It's not there. So I'm very sad about that. But I am glad they're winning. I'm happy about that. So. I have here uh, 25 to 10 with five minutes left in the fourth quarter and uh, currently ranked ninth in the nation. And I don't know if, you, if you've been keeping track of that today. There's been a lot of losses in the top ten there this evening there. Yeah. Cat, so. Yeah, number eight. As far as last weekend, number eight was uh, Alabama. So we were just right behind Alabama, which is really nice. And uh, and I was happy for Ohio State being number one, you know, because it knocked Alabama down. So I'm, that sucks for y'all, you know. 
I mean, I don't know what it will be for LSU. I don't know how much higher we'll go. It depends, I guess, on what Alabama does. Uh, I'm not sure how they really work, though. The, I, I just know the basics about ranking. <laughs> right. Like I knew last week when Alabama lost that that was going to knock them down and put y'all number one. But, you know, even if they win this week, which they probably will, uh, I don't know how high they'll, up they'll go and, you know, what will happen with LSU. So. Ah, yeah, I see. See, you never know. You You, you never know there. And we definitely can't go far, further down, right? I mean, it's not like we can get. Not if you win. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. So. <laughs> so we're undefeated so far. As long as we win this game, we're undefeated so far, which I'm very happy about. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, so we, we have a pretty we have a good crowd. We have, we had like about we were up to like total people, and so people people started leaving. <laughs> you did? People started leaving. I'm hurt. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, you know, maybe they're not friend, maybe they're not uh, down with talking about football, but we're we're about to talk about anything here uh, here this evening. Um, so as uh, as people know or people may not know, so one week ago from tonight, um, I was in Seattle, broadcasting live from up there, and if you guys uh, didn't 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 listen to the show or check out the show, I encourage you to check out the show. Because we had a we had a good time up there. I had a good time up there, and, and we had a good time on the on the show there last week. We had a pretty good discussion. Uh, I think about uh, well, I forgot what it was about like internet uh, bullying or internet uh, uh, you know that type of thing that goes because that's been in the news recently. So uh, uh, so I thought it was uh, I thought it was a good show. So it's pretty good discussion, and we also had a good discussion uh, from the chat room. So thank you everybody from the chat room who were able to uh, show up and uh, and chat along. So uh, so that was fun. Um, yeah, I got good feedback from that show too. I got about how good the show was. Oh really? Yeah. Well, good. Yeah, good. So it was cool. Yeah, I think that you know it's a topic that a lot of people are. Really, you know, people I think finally are, are sick of it, and they want to get a handle on it. And you know, it's like, like I said, how do you do it though? How do you really get a handle on it when the the internet is so out of our control in a lot of ways? Right, right. Um, yeah, we have a bunch of guests uh, in the chat room here. We have Dr. Hamlet, we have Dr. Jonathan, we have uh, J-Man and Jesse Fur, Kimmy, Potato Chip, and the good reference Rock Dog is joining us here on the show here. It's me! <laughs> <laughs> me! I, uh, I know you'd like that there, Kat. So. I love um, it, so, so following the show, so, so the reason I was up there was to uh, – I was presenting at a conference and talking about medicine and social media, and uh, it, was, it was awesome. If people want to check out more details on that, just go to DrAnonymous.com. And um, uh, so that all happened on Monday this week, and I was on a panel with, uh, with three other docs, and uh, we were talking about uh, – some uh, speak about medicine and social media, and uh, and the audience was very interesting. So they had some providers there, they had some patients there, they had some executives there, 
Um, and they asked a, a lot of really good questions, Kat. They, they, they asked, you know, things about that, that, that people wonder about all the time as far as patient privacy and liability and things like, you know, do you, do you friend your patients on Facebook? And it was a really, really good discussion. Um, I do have the video on that. We, they, they did the Swedish Medical Center up there in Seattle did uh, uh, record this on video and uh, um, you can go to dranonymous.com. I have a link over there, and uh, uh, it was a really good discussion. It was it was it was nice and uh, um, really good questions, and it wasn't really kind of a a basic audience. It wasn't a 1.0 audience. It was it was an audience that uh, it seemed like you know they they use social media. Um, and they had some really good questions about, you know, what do you do about some of this privacy stuff? What do you do about friending pa- patients on Facebook? Um, so I don't know if you were able to catch any of that, Cap, but it was, it was I, I got a lot out of it. I learned a lot out of it, and uh, I had a good time being on that panel. Actually, I did watch some of it because when you tweeted that you were – or I saw some tweets where you were on the panel. They said you were on the panel and stuff. So, of course, I had to see. And I watched a little, yeah, I watched uh, maybe about an hour or so. I don't remember exactly how long, but uh, I could tell you had a good time at that conference. I could tell you, and, and it was. It was so many different questions. Uh, and the, the the doctors trending patients on Facebook, I mean, I, I mean I've said this before I, when I talked on your show, when I talked about my cancer that long time ago when I was on your show, I had developed that Florence Nightingale syndrome for my oncologist. For about two years, I was madly in love with him, you know. And recently, I was just curious to see if he was on Facebook, and I saw him on Facebook. But I had no, I did not have the guts to ask him to be my friend because I don't know how, you know, I don't know. I'm sure some doctors don't want to accept, you know, their patients or ex-patients on Facebook, and I didn't want to be rejected by him. It would have hurt too bad. Even though I'm over him that way, I still don't ever, you know, I would just, it would kill me. It would kill me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm getting some mixed uh, feedback in the chat room here that they may be not be able to uh, to hear me at all or or hear you. So I'm going to type some stuff in here. Uh, uh, Can you hear cats? So I'm gonna keep I'm gonna have us keep talking here and, and kind of see because my internet connection is was not as good as last week, um, so uh, I have a wireless connection here at the uh, at the hotel here. So uh, and I'm still using uh, Skype. So we're we're gonna keep talking here and uh, uh, oh and uh, <laughs> Smitty says your audio is low. <laughs> Um, uh, yours. Yeah, yours. So I, I, yeah, yeah. Okay. Can you hear me now? I turned up my headphones. Yeah, I turned up my headphones. Hopefully that helps. Well, we'll, uh, we'll we'll keep going here. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We'll have to see what we'll have to see what we're doing here. Uh, so yes, yeah, so that was a great conference. So if people want to find out more details about that, go to DrAnonymous.com, and I'll, I share some of my experiences from there. Um, and I was uh, I was uh, it was fun to go. I met a lot of great people that I was uh, that I uh, 
I met previously on Twitter and Facebook, but I was able to meet them in person. So that was a, that was a, a great, uh, a great conference. Um, but Kat, I don't know, I don't know if you, if you saw my, uh, my tweets or my uh, Facebook, uh, <laughs> updates, uh, when I was trying to get home on Tuesday, uh, but it was very frustrating. <laughs> I would have been so frustrated if I were you. I mean, didn't you end up flying all night long? Yeah, what happened was, so, so I, was, I was supposed to leave Seattle um, on Tuesday around 1 p.m. Pacific time. So so I get to the gate. I get checked in. I walk all the way to the gate, and it's about half an hour uh, before uh, we're supposed to board and take off. So they get on the horn out there, and they said, oh, uh, it's going to be a two-hour delay because we, there's a mechanical problem with – uh, the plane, and I'm like, okay, that's not going to work because I I only have a 30 minute connection to to make, <laughs> so I'm kind of screwed. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So I'm scra- I'm scrambling. I'm trying to you know try to get a different flight or I'm trying to get on a different airline, and you know I'm trying to work with the uh, with the airline people. And um, they're saying, you know, we can't uh, we can't get you home tonight. Right? The first first time we can get you home is tomorrow. And I'm like, well, that's not really going to work because I have to work tomorrow. I'm on call on Wednesday, so so I'm trying to finagle something here and see if uh, <laughs> see if I can get home on Tuesday. But that just it didn't work. So for for the rest of the day on Tuesday in Seattle Airport in the SeaTac Airport, that's one of my favorite favorite uh, uh, airport names, SeaTac, because it's Tacoma. So it's Seattle, Seattle, Tacoma. So I'm like I'm bumming all day in that airport because because uh, they said, well, you know, we can fly you out, you know, the red eye, which leaves at 11 p.m. in Seattle. We'd fly all night. And then you'd get into Atlanta at 6 a.m., and then we can get you home, you know, after that. So the whole day, I'm just like, this is not cool. (laughs) So I'm calling my work. I'm calling my office. I'm like, you know, I can't make it home tonight, so I'm going to be a little bit late coming back. So, you know, somebody's going to have to cover my call for a few hours, and somebody's going to have to cancel my patients for the morning because I won't be able to get in until – you know, maybe the end of the morning on Wednesday. So, so I, so I, so I'm pouting. I'm really mad. You know, I'm sulking the whole day in in the SeaTac Airport. So it gets to be about nine or ten o'clock in the evening in Seattle. So I go to the bar before I get on the plane because <laughs> I'd like to have a beverage. <laughs> So, so I get there and I see uh, they have CNN on, you know, on Tuesday night, and um, I see that it's going to be the first time ever that they have those miners from Chile. They're going to be taking them out of the mine out there. I'm like, really? That is real. Oh, I didn't even know that that was going to be happening. You know, because I me, mean, they've been working on this thing for months. You know. Trying to get the trying to get those guys out of there, all three three guys or something like that. So so I'm sitting there. It's an hour before I'm supposed to board, 
and I'm seeing, you know, the first guy come out of the mine. And I'm like, wow, that is cool. They, they've been in that mine for like two months, and I'm whining about, you know, being my flight canceled and I can't get home. And these guys have been, you know, in this hole in the ground for two months. So they're really kind of like saying, you know, my problem is like nothing. <laughs> That was yeah, yeah, and I wrote a blog post about that. I was just like, you know, these guys are in a hole for two months, you know, 58 days or whatever. There's 33 of them in there, and I'm whining about not being able to get home. So, I mean, that was just like, wow. <laughs> I really don't have any problems at all, <laughs> you know, because on, on CNN they're talking about, oh, you know, one of the guys had a baby born in the past couple of weeks, never saw him yet, and all their families are worried about him and wondering they're okay. And, you know, before I boarded the plane at 11 p.m. in Seattle, I think they got the second guy out. So I was like, oh, you know, I'm happy for the family. You know, I'm happy for those people in Chile that, you know, that, you know, they're getting their people out. So, so it was just like, you know, I should really stop complaining and whining. And, you know, I was, I was really happy for those people. I, I don't know how you heard about, you know, I don't know if you heard about or, 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 or when you heard about, you know, those guys coming out of there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I heard about it on the Internet, but I, I didn't actually see any of the footage of them coming out of the, the mine. Uh, and, and it's true sometimes, you know, and it always seems like when you're complaining about something, you always see something else or somebody else's situation that kind of makes you realize, hey, it's not all that bad. But at the same time, you know, you it's okay to complain once in a while. Don't be so hard on yourself, man. That <laughs> 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 one you'd have to sit in an airport all day and then take a red eye home. I mean, that, and then be late for work and stuff. You know, like, And see, that's what sucks, I think, about being a doctor is that you have to find, you have to, like you said, cancel your patients. You have to find somebody else to cover for you. Like if I was going to work the next day and my flight ended up being to where I couldn't make it to work, I'd just have to call them and say, look, I'm not going to make it to work. I can't, you know. I mean, I'm stuck in Seattle, and there's not much they could have done about it. You know, they'd have to probably call someone in or something, and if they couldn't find anyone, oh, well, you know. It's like... That's part of why I think I like being a nurse, too. I don't know if I'd want the pressures of being a doctor, of the kind of hours you all have to do and all the call you have to do and and all that stuff. You know, I like, you know, going to work, doing my shift, going home, and that's it. You know, I'm sure you all have to bring your homework, your work home with you a lot of times. And, you know, sometimes you – I've seen you, like, because I know a lot of times you're off on Thursdays, but you're having to go in to finish up paperwork you know, that you didn't get done or something, you know. The life of a doctor seems just very stressful because it seems yeah. to consume your life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it does sometimes. And, and uh, you know, so, so I worked the whole day on Wednesday, and then I was on call, and then I would just uh, – uh, but I didn't go home and sleep, so I slept <laughs> because I was just so flipping – I was just so tired. <laughs> so – uh, so yeah, I usually don't th- work on Thursday, but I did, and uh, on my you know Friday, and then I'm just trying to catch up on my paperwork. So, uh, uh, but uh, but yeah, you know it's it, it's all good. I mean it's uh, it's fun. It's a good time, and uh, you know I wouldn't uh, definitely would not uh, definitely would not change this job for anything else. So. 
Um, when we take a break here, and before we take a break, I just want to give a little uh, little shout-out to the Annie Burrow Live Show. They canceled their show here tonight, so we're kind of sliding into their uh, time slot here and stealing their time slot. So uh, <laughs> um, I hope they're doing okay, and uh, I, I didn't know they canceled their show just until uh, right before this show, but I hope they're doing okay here uh, tonight. So we will take a little bit of a break. I do have some news stories here that uh, Kat and I are going to be talking about uh, so, so we're just getting started here uh, on the uh, Dr. Anonymous show here with Kat. So refresh your drink out there. And I'm also uh, watching the, uh, the, uh, the baseball playoffs here, Kat. So the San Francisco Giants and the Philadelphia Phillies. So I have that on my, on my TV uh, right now because I'm multitasking like anything else. <laughs> um, so we'll take a break and uh, we'll talk more right after this on the Dr. Anonymous show. Don't go... Anyway. Dr. Anonymous show live on Blog Talk Radio. We have a cat on the line here with us. Uh, how are you doing there, Kat? Are you doing okay? Holding up there all right? Uh, I'm doing great. And you know what? You're playing some awesome bumper music tonight, I have to say. Thank you so much. You're playing all the stuff I love. <laughs> it's only for you there, man. Uh, so... Uh, so let's open with some health stories, health and uh, medicine stories here. This is uh, this first one's from the Associated Press from uh, Friday, October 15. The title is FDA approves Botox for migraine headaches. Dateline, Washington D.C. Federal health officials approved the wrinkle smoothing injection Botox for migraine headaches on a Friday after drug maker Allergen 
uh, clearance to begin marketing its drugs to patients with a serious history of the condition. The FDA approved the drug for patients who are experiencing 15 or more days of migraine headaches per month. Allergen, the company, which specializes in beauty and care uh, eye care drugs, said roughly 3.2 million people have, in the U.S. have chronic migraines. For the new use, doctors are directed to inject patients in the neck or head every 12 hours, every 12 hours, every 12 weeks to dull future headaches. Uh, so a new uh, indication here for Botox for migraine headaches. I'm not sure how I really feel about that, Kat. Uh, because uh, it seems kind of interesting to me that they're finding all these new things for Botox. Uh, so people are going to go to their plastic surgeons to uh, get their Botox for migraine headaches. I don't really see a lot of neurologists using this uh, type of drug, do you think? Well, you know, um, I think I saw uh, Liz, our good friend Liz Piano uh, on Twitter, Neo Nurse Chick. Uh, you, know, is, is it, you know, as you know, she's got migraines and stuff. And uh, she had said that they, I think she said she had done that once. And that it worked. And, like, it, they said they injected in the neck and had, what, like, sub-Q, I guess? It would have to be sub-Q, right? I mean, yes, you can't, like, that's what it sounds like to me, yeah. yeah. And, you know, Botox is that, I don't know, I just don't know if I'd ever want to put botulism in my body on, per, on purpose. <laughs> but, uh, but I get migraines. Now, not just, like, not an average of 15 days a month or anything like that. I'd probably just... I don't know what I would do if I had migraines that bad. But uh, when you have a migraine, I don't know if you have ever had a migraine, but those, I just hate them. I hate them so much. I mean, she just sometimes, you know, they're so bad, you just want to die, you know. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I guess if my migraines got bad enough, I would try anything, <laughs> you know. But, uh I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know about that. But, hey, if it works, it works. And I don't know how they figured that out. How did they figure out that helps with migraines? People who were getting Botox said they had less migraines? Well, I mean, I mean I'm thinking that they did a study on that, and, uh, you know, they found out the results, and, uh, and and they, you know, somebody published some kind of research study on that, and that's, that's where uh, – that's what's going to happen. I got a question, you know, if I do Botox in my office. No, I don't do injection of Botox in my office. And uh, um, But uh, I'll have to, you know, definitely read the study on that and, and kind of see, you know, what the, really the risks and benefits and side effects and see if the data really holds up as far as is that really something that uh, that people should use or not. Well, I'm wondering, though, how they even thought to do a study about that. You know, like I'm just – I'm wondering how they would ever have – put together the two, you know, like, how, how would they even think that that would help migraines, you know, unless people who were getting it for plastic surgery reasons uh, that happen to have migraines seem to have, I mean, I don't know, you know what I'm saying? Like, how did they figure that out? Yeah, sometimes what happens with this is that uh, they uh, they found it as some kind of side effect or something like that, some kind of you know, uh, um, sidetrack of, of the study, and they said, oh, you know, these people were also uh, had a history of migraine headaches, and uh, oh, by the way, their migraine headaches went down, and uh, we should really look at this more. So that's something that could have happened. I don't know. I didn't read the study, but, uh, you know, sometimes 
some of these uh, um, byproducts or side effects from some of these things happen, and uh, that's how we find out about it. Cool. I mean, well, I, I personally, I love, like, Maxalt, those kind of drugs, you know, that I guess they work on your your circulatory system more than anything. Um you know, you can take you can take one of those. It's not a narcotic. You know, you can go to work still. You can fry. You can, and they work so good. They're only it's just that they're so expensive. So if you don't have insurance, you know, you're looking at spending two hundred fifty bucks for six pills. <laughs> right, right. So, but I, I like I like Maxalt. I've taken Zomig. That works good. I never really had a prescription of Imitrex. Uh, Mostly it was either Maxalt or Zomig, but I love Maxalt. I think it's great. So, but I think with the, the Botox, it's more of a preventative, I think, is the way they're looking at it. So, uh, on the spot. <laughs> I want to apologize for everybody in the chat room there. They're, they're, the audio is coming in and out, so I think part of it is probably my connection here at the hotel. So, uh, so I apologize about that. I thank you for everybody sticking with us uh, here tonight. They're they're logging out and logging back in. So, uh, so you guys are the best here uh, this evening. Um, and uh, you did uh, uh, mention our good friend uh, Liz Piano from Twitter, uh, their cat. And uh, I'm going to be going to uh, Philadelphia next week, where she is at for a couple of days. I'm going to be at a conference there. I'll be tweeting that out there uh, too on Tuesday and Wednesday. So. Um, so if people hang out on Twitter, you'll you'll see me talking about that. And, and I've never met uh, Liz Piano in person. So we've been talking ever since I started uh, blogging way back in the dark ages in 2006. Um, and I've never met her in person. So, uh, But I've gotten to know her a little bit uh, on Twitter and uh, on Facebook, too. And she's engaged, and I'm very happy for her. And I'm looking, to, looking forward to meeting up with her, I think, uh, this week. So that's going to be exciting. That is cool, because I, I think she's so sweet. You know, I would love to meet her, too. You are like a traveling man, though, lately. You're, like, traveling <laughs> all over the place. This month, I am uh, I'm traveling uh, a lot of places. So, uh, uh, so I'm, I, and it, it, it's difficult balancing uh, the work schedule and the fun schedule. Uh, so this is going to be a real test for me this month as far as traveling around. Because later this month, at the end of this month, uh, I'm going to be – with Dr. Synonymous, who's in our chat room here. We're going to be in Hershey, Pennsylvania. We're going to be presenting there about social media. So hopefully, if the Internet connection holds up there, I'll be doing a show there uh, with you there as well, Kat. So we'll see what happens here at the end of the month. So, yes, I'm very excited about what's going on here this month for me. And uh, it's just it's going to be a challenge balancing the work and the non-work aspects. But, you know, when you're awesome like I am, it's always tough to balance all that out. I just can't wait till they have a conference in South Padre Island so you can meet me. <laughs> That's going to be legendary there. It's going to be, it is uh... going to be legendary. And we ought, to do a, we ought to do a show from the beach. Live from South Padre Island. Oh, I would so do a show with you from the beach. Um, yeah. <laughs> we would, that would be uh, so much fun. There would be no video if you're... You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Not for anybody else. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next story here. Let's see. Sticking to health stories here. So the title here, this is from uh, 15 October from Friday. The title is States Linking Prescription Databases, Comma, Fight Abuse. This is from Rally. 
North Carolina. Uh, starting next year, dozens of states will begin knitting together databases to watch prescription drug abuse from powerful painkillers to diet pills. With federal money and prodding, states are being asked to sign on to an agreement allowing police, pharmacies, and physicians to check suspicious prescription uh, pill patterns from Nevada to North Carolina. Civil liberties and privacy advocates have objected to the state databases, which would be linked to technology and standards developed by Justice and Homeland Security Departments. 34 states operate databases to fight a drug problem. Um, authorities say it is a, a growing more deadly than heroin. And we have a quote here from a sheriff in Lee County, North Carolina. Quote, I've got people that are kin to me that's addicted, and I see firsthand what it does. The thing that's so damn frustrating, I'm quoting him, is our young people don't think that it's that big of a deal. Uh, so, Kat, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I read studies, too, that, you know, prescription drug abuse is more prevalent than illegal drug use, and uh, it is a huge problem nationwide. I know in my state here in Ohio, we have a state database, too, so, so you know, people are really trying to, you know, tackle this problem of prescription drug abuse. Well, I mean, they, they do that kind of anyway with the doctors, right? This is to check how people are using it. Like the that's right. That's right. Yeah, because you know, it, it's been known for a long time that that patients, quote unquote, doctor shop, so they get prescriptions yeah. for narcotics from doctors in different uh, counties and different cities, and there has really never been a way to track these patients as they go to their different doctors in different cities and different counties to get their prescription drugs, and it's a big problem. Yeah. I mean, I can kind of see both sides of it, like, okay, well, that does seem like an evasion of privacy, right? But, I mean, in the end, they're going to be saving the person's life, most likely, if they can, you know, stop them and get them help. I mean, are they going to put them in jail or are they going to send them to rehab, you know? I mean, what's going to happen? Yeah, I, I, I think it depends on the state law, what, what it is uh, per the state. So that will be interesting to see how each state deals with the problem. Because I think that anyone who has a problem with any drug, whether it's legal or illegal or how they get it, should be offered the chance to rehabilitate first. You know, unless, I mean, if you're selling to little kids like dope or whatever, that's a whole different thing. But if somebody's taking drugs on their own and they're addicted, you know, and they ha but they don't hurt anyone else, they haven't been, you know, it's not like they were using drugs and then, you know, had an accident and, and hurt somebody else, then give them a chance to rehab, you know, because it is an, it's a disease. And it's unfortunately because, and that's the bad thing with prescription drugs too, because when people start taking them, they're taking it to help whatever problem it is, you know, whether it's pain or anxiety or whatever. And then they, before they know it, they're addicted to it. They're dependent on it. And it is so powerful what addiction can do to people that it, their brain can start, you know, their brain talks to them. I mean, it's like part of the disease is your brain tries to make you think this is okay. If you have to go to another doctor, go to another doctor. You just need this. You need this drug. Your body tells you that. Your your mind tells you that. And so, you know, a lot of times people who are addicted to these prescription drugs, even though they're doctor shopping and all that, they don't even totally realize it themselves. 
that there's that they're an addict. You know, oh well, this is legal, so I'm not like a drug addict. I'm not like a uh, a heroin junkie. Well, it's all the same thing, really. It's just a matter of what's legal and what's not. It's all the same thing. So I, you know, it's it's. I'm not sure really how I feel about that. I can see both sides of the issue. It does seem kind of like, God, what else are they going to do? You know. Come see if I'm drinking too much in my house or <laughs> if I'm eating too much fat or sugar, <laughs> you know. But I don't know. I don't know. That's that's a tough one for me. I mean, I can understand, I, and I knew that they would do that for the doctors, and that would make sense. You don't want to see doctors that are just being haphazard with it and not thinking and just prescribing whatever all the time, you know. And, and a lot of doctors, you'll see, at least with the anti-anxiety, like, like Xanax and Valium, the only times they give it is if somebody's like, you know, let's say uh, they had a death in the family or something, they're going through something traumatic. They may give them a month, two months, three months of the, the, the pills, but then they stop. They don't prescribe it month after month after month for such a long period of time. You rarely see a doctor do that. Right. So right. I get surprised when I hear people say, that they have a prescription for that, and it, they have it every month. I mean, I'm like, how, how did doctors get away with that? Uh, yeah, I don't. That's that's a good question. <laughs> Just like, I mean, unless you're under the care of like a psychiatrist with a severe, and you have a severe anxiety disorder, or, you know, or bipolar or something, something real severe, not just. Because, I mean, a lot of people have anxiety. No, a lot of people. But Xanax is such a heavy-duty drug, and that's one you see prescribed pretty often. Yeah. But but for such an extended period of time, it, it kind of surprises me. So. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm reading some, uh, some feedback in the chat room here. Uh, uh, Dr. Jonathan says, uh, also, uh, many addicts dentist shop. Uh, some dentists uh, will call in prescriptions without seeing the patient. Um, let's see. We have a Dr. Hamlet 423. Like mental health services, finding uh, rehab that is decent and available is not so simple. That's true. Um, and many clinics in Pennsylvania have anti-controlled substance policies where they Right, no control substances. So yeah, I mean, I know at least you know in, that I see, or, or in the in the people that I've talked to, my peers that I talk to, that you know, prescription drugs is is a uh, is a difficult thing to, to try to to try to get a handle on. So, and I see your point there too. I mean, you know, you can go too far with any of these type of policies and things. It's just, you know, how far is too far, and uh, you know, people will kind of decide that. Maybe even maybe even take the courts to decide how much is too far when you're going with some of these uh, policies. Right. Well, and, and like I said, on the other side of the coin, too, you know, they could be saving someone's life, you know. So it's like, how do you balance it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess doctor shopping to me, though, I mean, if you have the same doctor that's giving you a prescription over and over and over again, you have to look kind of too at the doctor as well. But if they're doctor shopping then in a way they probably are, I mean, that. I guess that could be a, a that should be like a breaking of the law because it's like even though it's a legal drug, you're being shifty about trying to get it, <laughs> you know. Right, 
Right. If, hey, if my doctor, you know, well, if my doctor won't give me any more, then I'll go to someone else. Well, there's a reason your doctor's not giving it to you anymore. Right. You know, think about it. So. Um, Timmy says uh, when she worked in Seattle, their kidney doctors or nephrology doctors prescribed a cocktail of Xanax and Benadryl to almost all their patients. Uh, she says she hated it, thought it was awful. Um, Dr. Donison says also if a pharmacist suspects abuse, he, she cannot... Uh, and should not fill the prescription. So, uh, so yeah. So, pretty good. Uh, pretty good discussion here in the chat room on this topic, there, Kat. Oh, and, well, I will say this too. When I did have the cancer, when I, because uh, that made me what Kimmy said kind of brought up a point that made me think about when I was going through chemo. Whenever I would actually have the chemo, they would give me like Ativan, okay, which is in the same family as Xanax and all, but it's more fast acting, and. Uh, and then for the first three days after a chemo treatment, I would get it every four hours on the hour. And I was so out of it. Like, I didn't even know my parents were giving it to me. You know, I, was, I would take it. They would wake me up. I would take it. And I wouldn't even remember taking it. But I had to be that drugged up for the first three days to handle because it was such an aggressive chemo. And... uh but on the rest of the, the time, because I had chemo every two weeks, I never took it. You know, I, I wouldn't take the, the Ativan anymore. I saved it for when I had the, actually the treatment. And also, if someone's terminal, you know, they should be allowed to take as well. I, I guess there they would be allowed to take whatever they had to, you know, if they're terminal. Or if they're, like I said, going through chemo, at least through the course of the treatment. You know, there's got to be instances where it's okay. Right. Right. Cause you can't you can't you can't expect a cancer patient going through chemo or God forbid it's terminal to not have medicalness you know the medically necessity medically what am I trying to say necessary necessary medicines even though they're hardcore narcotics I mean right so I guess this is for more like people who are dealing with anxiety or other things or or a chronic pain you know how do you decide this person's chronic pain isn't serious enough to have chronic pain meds or pain meds all the time. How do you decide whose pain is, you know what I'm saying? Because I know that there are people who doctor shop that probably aren't in that much pain or aren't that anxious. They're just addicted to the drug. But how can you know for sure who really needs it and who doesn't, too? So that's another thing. I think if they're yeah. doctor shopping, that's a good way to know they probably don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because they wouldn't right. have a doctor shop if they, you know, if they needed it. So. Um, so let's uh, let's switch gears here. Let's do a couple of stories before the top of the hour, and then we'll take another break. We're almost done with the first hour already. Can you believe that there, Kat? That's uh, crazy. I know. I'm telling you, this show flies by. Uh, so let's take an entertainment story here. So this is from Beijing, China. The title is, and I'm, not, I'm serious here, an armless guy that plays the piano. I'm going to say it, pianist. Yes, you chat room people can make your own joke there. He plays with his toes to win China's Got Talent. This is from 12 October from Tuesday from Beijing from Reuters. An armless guy that plays the piano, I'm not saying it, uh, with plays with his toes has uh, won the first series of China's version of the internationally popular television talent show, China's Got Talent. Uh, Liu Wei, 23, 
who lost both his arms at age 10 when he was electrocuted during a game of hide-and-seek, interesting, uh, defeated seven-year-old stand-up comedian, and I'm not going to say the name because I'm going to ruin it, in the final on Sunday at Shanghai Stadium, the Shanghai Daily reported the piano guy from Beijing who taught himself to play the piano at age 18 impressed the audience with his performance of You're Beautiful, singing and using his feet to play the piano. He also uh, reported one over the judges by commenting, at least I have a pair of perfect legs. A uh, college student from uh, one third place for singing uh, uh, Boundless Oceans of Vast Skies. I've never heard of that. Um, at an awards ceremony, the award winner was invited by Taiwan singer, that guy, who I can't say his name, to be a guest performer on her world tour, which gives him the chance to perform in Las Vegas for three months. So, Kat, a guy with no arms plays with his toes to win China's Got Talent. That's a nice story. That's a sweet story, don't you think? You know, I'm always amazed when I hear stories like that, when people have something that severe, like no arms or, you know, uh, and, and they draw perfect masterpieces with their mouth, you know, with a pencil in their mouth or, you know, something like that, because it's like I can't even imagine not having any arms, much less playing the piano. I mean, how do they get to that point where not only do they have the motivation, I guess, or the, the drive, but how do they do it? You know, it, it, sometimes things seem like impossible. Sometimes people do impossible things. Remember the time it was one of the, one of our shows where I talked about the woman who – I can't remember. Oh, the woman who was going to have the face transplant. Remember, she couldn't, like, hear or see or anything, and she had a baby that she took care of or something like that. Remember, something that was, just seemed unbelievable that anybody could do? Right, remember? right. Remember? I don't know if you remember yeah. that story. Yeah, like she yeah. Couldn't, she couldn't hear. She couldn't feel or I don't know. It's like almost all her senses were gone because her face was totally... I don't remember even what happened. I don't know if she yeah. was shot. I think she was shot. But yet she took care of a newborn baby all by herself. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just uh, it's well, amazing what, what what people can do these days. Oh, I know. And and I think, though, when you see people like that, there's something special about them. You know, I mean, that it just makes you wonder what they would have done. Like, what would he have done had he had his arms? Or is that what made him that way? Because he had to try so much harder. Right. You know, it just and, and you hear uh, uh, people all the time, they have tragedies, you know, whatever the tragedy is, but, you know, they're able to, you know, make the best of it or turn it around. And, you know, and a lot of people say, you know, whatever the tragedy was, you know, it's 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 something that defines their life and, um, that's what made them turn around and, and uh, you know, I mean, yeah, and even people who have cancer, you know, um, we hear all kinds of people with cancer who say, you know, they're going along in life, they get cancer, really brings them down, but it, it, it makes them fight back, making makes them appreciate life, and, and you know, and, and that's when we, you know, um, you know, really admire them, and I think your story reflects that a little bit too there, Kat. I don't feel like maybe as much as the guy with the, playing the piano with his feet, but yeah, 
Because, yeah, it got me down and everything, but I, I think that I could have, well, you know, you kind of know my story. I can't really talk about it here, but uh, I guess I could. I wish I could have done more. Sure. You know, because and, and, I'm getting up there in years now, and there's things, and I, I think I've I've done good as far as my career goes and all, but I wish I could have, there's other things I wish I could have done, but I sort of missed out on my 20s and most of my 30s. <laughs> So, um, but, you know, I have today and the rest of my life, right? To to make up. Right. Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, uh, we're at, we're almost at the top of the hour here and uh, we're getting ready for hour number two here on the Dr. Anonymous show here with Capitad. And before we go to the break, I did want to, uh, um, observe something here. It's been uh, all over the entertainment news for the past uh, few hours. Uh, uh, Barbara Billingsley from uh, Leave It to Beaver, uh, Beaver Cleaver's TV's mom. She died at the age of 94. And I'll read this uh, story, uh, a couple paragraphs here from the Associated Press uh, from uh, Los Angeles. Um, even uh, decades after the show was ended, Barbara Billingsley uh, expressed surprise at the lasting affection people had for Leave It to Beaver. Um, in her role as the warm, supportive mother of a pair of precocious boys, the actress who gained supermom status for her gentle portrayal of June Cleaver in the 1950s television series died Saturday after a long illness. She was 94. Uh, she quotes here, uh, we knew we were making a good show because it was so well written, she said in 1994, but we had no idea what was ahead. People still talk about it and write letters telling uh, how much they watched it today with their children and grandchildren. Billingsley, who had suffered from rheumatoid disease, died at her home in Santa Monica, said family spokesman uh, Judy Torsky. So, uh, so I remember watching that show uh, growing up, and uh, you know, that's, that's kind of the golden age of television uh, back then. And uh, you know, even watching some reruns now, you know, you know, a lot of the messages that they had um, – uh, that they had back then still resonate uh, today. So, so kind of sad, you know. It's one of the the good people of the world there uh, passing away. So, uh, uh, just wanted to observe that here on the show here, and uh, I know people will talk about it on Twitter as well. So, so nice person, nice show, and uh, it's sad. Yeah, I didn't know she died. I didn't. I never. I hadn't seen that on Twitter. It must have been very recently. Yeah, just just in the past few years. I think when, when probably you were at work there. So. Uh, uh, so, uh, so why don't we uh, take a break here and uh, getting ready for hour number two. So those of you on Twitter and Facebook, hey, tweet it out here, and uh, we'll be going into hour number two. And our first story of the next uh, hour, I'll, I'm going to prep Cat here uh, before we go to the break. The title is Mexican Drug Addicts Dwell Amid Fears of Violence. So think about that, Cat. I know you'll probably have a lot to talk about there. Uh, so you, we're coming back here on the Dr. Anonymous Show with Kat here for hour number two. Don't go anywhere.
I've heard. Whoops, sorry. <laughs> I hit the wrong button there. How about how about this? Dr. Donovan Show live on a Saturday night here on Blog Talk Radio. Of course, it's Saturday night, so that means we have Kat on the line. And Kat, I see final score, LSU 32, McNeese State 10. So there you go, Kat. We played McNeese. (laughs) That's what it says there, man. Hey, at least you got a win. That's all I'm saying. Well, yeah, let me just give them a good clap. And that's on our chat room. Our good friend uh, Kimmy says uh, the uh, San Francisco Giants won their game tonight, so uh, some people are having a good night here tonight. Blah. Tigers <laughs> 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 won, even if it's McNeese. <laughs> hey, man. Whatever so. that is. Whatever McNeese is. <laughs> <laughs> Are you watching TV now, there, Kat? Do you have anything anything going on there? Or are you just kind of you're focused on the show, aren't you? I'm so focused on this show right now. My all my focus is right on you, Doctor Anonymous. Wow, man. So yeah, why don't we just get started here on our on our next news story here? Uh, so this is from. Uh, uh, Juarez, am I saying that right? Uh, Juarez, Mexico, from AFP. I don't Juarez. know what AFP is. Juarez. Is it, is it Juarez? Juarez. Uh, <laughs> Mexican <laughs> drug addicts dwell and then fear of violence. This is from uh, today, from October 16. Oh, by the way, there, cats, a happy Sweetest Day. Yeah, hanging out with me on Sweetest Day, so I need a few that or not. What did you call it again? It's called Sweetest Day. Swedish? Sweetest, sweetest. Oh, this, this is like the, 
This is the fall Valentine's Day, the made-up holiday. Oh, uh, will you be my fall Valentine? Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard that. I thought you were saying Swedish day. No, it's, you know, sweet, sweetest, sweetest, sweetest day. Aw. I love that. <laughs> wow, okay, so awkward segue. So um, so this story here starts, uh, thousands of drug addicts live in the shadows of, what's the city called? Juarez. <laughs> right. The infamous Mexican border city at the epicenter of a wave of brutal drug violence as well as growing drug use abandoned by authorities, the addicts addicts live in fear of drug gangs who threaten and sometimes kill them for no apparent reason, including several brutal massacres in drug treatment centers. Uh, This is a quote from a drug user. It says in the article, drug user, uh, quote, they now enter houses and kill us. We keep this window open so we can at least try to escape over the roof. Uh, a drug user who gave her name as Carla inside a house used as a, quote, shooting gallery for heroin. Uh, groups of addicts huddle in hundreds of similar spots of desolation in the border city across from El Paso, Texas, from which thousands of wealthier residents have fled in recent years. The city government counts more than 5,000 heroin addicts alone in the city called, what's it called? Juarez. The article says the uh, largest group of Latin uh, America. So is is that close to you, that, uh, or is that the other side of the state where, where that city is? That's on the Texas border? Because I don't, I, there's no Juarez, Juarez. It says, it says, it says Mexico, so right. it's across the border on Mexico, so I don't know where that's at. Yeah, I don't know where that is, so it must not be close. But, I mean, it's dangerous all over the border, and even where I live, like, basically, you can go down my street about five minutes, and you hit Mexico, okay? Like, I'm on the border, pretty much. I mean, I'm not on the river, but I'm I'm close. But, I mean, you hear about kidnappings all the time. And you don't even have to be a drug addict or a drug user or even involved with anybody selling drugs to be in danger. They're basically, they've told us down here, if you go, if you cross over to Mexico, you're on your own. Because basically, you go, you're probably never going to be heard from again. It is so dangerous right now. We recently got our house, we, had, we got an alarm system. We even got cameras for outside because it's wow. that thing. It's, it's, I mean, it's not like people are out there. It's not like the Wild West outside my house or anything. But, I mean, people, even people driving close to the border, sometimes they'll get kidnapped right out of their car. You know? Really? It's kidnapping. There was a couple uh, that was gonna, they were going to go home, back home to Colorado, uh, and they happened to go skiing or something on the Rio Grande. Okay, not smart. They ended up uh, shooting the guy in the head. They tried to shoot the the wife, too, but she ended up getting free. But they're not even releasing it. They're trying to get his body out of Mexico. They're not releasing it. Wow. Like, and and I'm like, because, you know, I'd ask my mom, I'm like, but I thought, you know, you think that people, like, in drug cartels and stuff, you would think they'd only kill people that, they have a beef with or that they think is, 
And I said, well, what reason would they have to shoot these people who have nothing? She goes, they don't know who they are. For all they know. You know, so if they don't know who you are and you're close by, you're you're dead. (laughs) You're dead or you're dead. (laughs) Chop off your head and, you know, send it to your family. I don't know. It's just really bad. And so basically they have told us, I mean, nobody's crossing the border at, at all pretty much anymore. And they said, if you do, you're on your own. The, the United States will not take care of you if you go over there. It's it's basically go at your own risk. Wow. Huh. Yeah. Now, did, did you yeah. get patients in your hospital from across the border, or, like, did you experience, those, you know, those type of patients or, or not, or do you know? Or? Well, I, you know, I deal with the babies. Uh, I mean, we get patients from Mexico. I mean, there's a lot of people that are moving out of Mexico over to this side. So our real estate and things like that are, we really, the recession hasn't really hit us really bad because the rich people from Mexico are moving over here. They want to get out of there. It's so dangerous. So real estate-wise, it's a pretty good time to be here. Um, uh, But as far as, like, since I deal with babies, you know, usually they're coming over here to have their baby. So you don't, I mean, like, I don't know if it, if I would have been working in ER, how much I would see that violence related to that, you know what I'm saying, related right. to the drug cells. So I just hope that they can get a handle on that soon. I mean, I want to go across the border again. <laughs> I have some cool stuff over there. But when was the last time you were across the border there, Kat? Oh, it's been, it's probably been a few years now. But, I mean, the, hmm. the danger has gotten recently bad. It's kind of like one of those things, you know, sometimes, like I lived in Florida for a while where I lived near the beach, and I didn't go necessarily every day. It's kind of like when you live there, you don't necessarily take advantage of the cool stuff all the time. Right, right. You know, when people come and vacation down here, they want to go to Mexico, right? Well, they're not doing that now. <laughs> right. <laughs> they're coming over here. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Which they always did anyway. They're just doing it more now. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's uh, shift gears here. So we're, well, I'll take another uh, news story here. So this is something I just learned about today, so I, I, I just thought it was interesting. So the title of this, this is from the Associated Press from uh, October 15. The title is uh, Britain or U.K., quote, flower, uh, sunflower seed, unquote, exhibit closed as health risk. This is from London. An art exhibition involving 100 million porcelain sunflower seeds has been closed to visitors because it's generating dust that is a potential health hazard. The gallery said on Friday, the Chinese artist filled a giant hall at the London Gallery with 10,000 square feet of imitation seeds handcrafted by thousands of people in China over a two-year period. Visitors were invited to walk across the surface when the show opened earlier this week, but the gallery said Friday that the, quote, enthusiastic enthusiastic interaction of visitors, unquote, was releasing a greater-than-expected level of ceramic dust, it wasn't clear whether the seeds were uh, breaking or simply being worn down. 
the gallery said uh, Tate has been advised that this test could be damaging to the health following repeated inhalation over a long period of time. In consequence, uh, in consultation with the artist, has decided not to allow visits to walk across the sculpture. So that's interesting, Kat. So, so this guy fills this whole gallery with sunflower seeds, or I guess sunflower ceramics or something like that. People walk across to get some kind of experience, and then they uh, push up dust, which people can't breathe. Like, what is that kind of – that seems kind of weird to me. Don't you think, they're Kat? They're walking on them? Yeah. And it, what, it, it, what does it do? Like, reflexology, it, it – the size of the foot or something? That's what it says, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, well, let me see if there's anything else in the article here. No, it's kind of boring, the rest of the article here. Uh, yeah. And, and there's a picture of this on on, uh, you know, on Yahoo News, you know, of a little girl um, sitting down, you know, surrounded by these, you know, things that look like sunflower seeds, and, uh, you know, I don't see any kind of dust or mist or something like that, but, they, you know, I don't know. Well, what these artists do are kind of kind of confusing here sometimes. Yeah, and, who, and it seems so tedious to do all that. Yeah, and they said thousands, thousands of people did that. I, you know, I, I don't know. It's, wow. I guess all those people have a lot of time on their hands. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not an artsy type of guy. I mean, I, I know, I know, Kay, you do some of the arts and crafts and stuff, you know, but, uh, you know, going to a big art exhibit is you know, not really something that I was fine to have a good time. But, I mean, have, have you done that before, Kat? Like, you know, going to, you know, observe and talk to people that, you know, at art exhibits and things, or not really? Well, I've been to museums and stuff. Uh, not really so much art exhibits. You know, where I live, they don't, they're not big on that. I mean, if I lived in New York City, I'd probably go to more. But I think just the handcrafting of those little seeds would be tedious. Like, yeah. it doesn't sound fun to me. And I love arts and crafts. It doesn't sound like fun to me. So speaking of which, Kat, so, so have you had any kind of uh, recent uh, artsy and crafty uh, type of uh, things that you've been uh, working on at all? or? I've been making some adorable little knit hats. So oh, like, really? Yeah, like the caps, you know, the cute, like, caps, you know. <laughs> like, not a, like, kind of beady-looking style type caps. So so how do you, how do you make that? Can, 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 you describe, can you describe to me how you make that type of thing? Because I have no idea. I'm clueless. Well, I mean, I use... I've tried knitting with needles, and I got pretty good at it. But it, I mess up so much, it gets it frustrates me. So I do the loom knitting. That's a, it's like a round circle loom, and you yeah. can get a lot of more projects done a lot quicker and less chance of making mistakes. So I, I do the easy knitter way if I'm going to knit. But uh, I have done some knitting with needles before, and I can do basics. But like I, I've never knit a hat. With needles. Ah. So I that's I've only done those on looms. So. Hmm. But that's what I, I that's what I did like last week and like when I was sick because I can just sit back and just do it and not you know. When I'm 
sick. I'm like a big lug on a log. (laughs) (laughs) You've been sick sick a lot lately there, Kat, haven't you? Well, no, just the last last week or two, you know, with the cold. Right. I think. And, I mean, the aches and pains that I have now are just from work. I mean, even days after I've worked, I'm still hurting. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Huh. It's like my body's always in pain now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I should at least share like why I'm here. So so I'm here in uh, kind of uh, uh, west uh, central Ohio. I'm here in the Dayton, Ohio area, and I'm in the woods here of our good friend uh, Dr. Synonymous, who here who's here in our chat room. And uh, so tomorrow I'm going to be going up. Uh, to the uh, studios of uh, a podcast or a show called Radio Rounds, a uh, a show that is uh, done uh, by and for uh, medical students um, here at uh, Wright State uh, University, and I'm going to be going up there and hanging out for their show, and uh, uh, I love their theme. I'm going to play their theme, and then uh, we can talk about it here, so this is, this is really cool. <laughs> show probably about a month ago and they asked me to come by and to hang out at their studio and uh, they have a recorded interview tomorrow noon eastern time radiorounds.org of uh, former presidential candidate and uh, uh, chairman of the uh, Democratic National Committee the uh, Dr. Howard Dean will be uh, um, on the show uh, with their interview and then they're going to interview me after that for a future show uh, so I'll be uh, it'll be cool kind of seeing behind the scenes of uh, how another podcast uh, kind of kind of does that. So so I'm very excited to be here. I'm very excited uh, that they asked me to come and hang out with them. So so it's very cool. That is cool. Um, I remember when they were on your show. Did they? Did, I guess they obviously they wrote that that theme song and and they all sang it and played to it and everything. Yeah, it's, 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 it's not actually the the host of the show, but it is people in their class that wrote it, 
Um, and uh, actually, they have on their Facebook page, you can go there. I think it's uh, their radio rounds on Facebook. They have kind of a little bit of video of their uh, classmates uh, singing uh, the song um, on the uh, on their Facebook page too, and it, it's great how how uh, how their class and how their school have really supported uh, them and uh, uh, that they're doing this. Because I remember in medical school, I didn't have time or I was too freaked out to do anything else except study. I know you and I talked about this before about being in school and for nursing school or medical school. That uh, it's I'm, I don't even know how 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 people do it other than just studying. Because all I know, I was just studying all the time and just being freaked out about it. Oh, me too. They sound like a bunch of overachievers to me. My <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, they're writing music. That, that song is really cool, though. It sounds like a current kind of song, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you know, I mean, it's, uh, I, I, I like it. I, I like it. Um, uh, so, so that's what I'll be doing uh, tomorrow. I'll be I'll be hanging out with them. I'll be feeling really old, so I'll be hanging out with all these twenty-something people uh, <laughs> as you're doing their radio show or podcast or whatever. And maybe like old man, maybe old man there. So they'll be uh, kind of funny. They'll be making fun of me probably. <laughs> nah. Well, if it makes you feel any better, you can always think about how I'm even older than you. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so old. Oh, man, you're only a year older. Come on there, Kat, give me a break. <laughs> I know, but you know what? In a, in, well, in less than a year, I'm going to be hitting that next decade that, and I'm going to, you know, I remember when I hit 30 and I go, and I was telling my friends at work, I said, can y'all believe in 10 years I'm going to be 40? And I know when I hit 40, I'm going to be like, can you believe in 10 years I'm going to be 50? That shocks the poop out of me. I I can't even imagine that. I mean, I still feel in my head, not in my body necessarily, but in my head I still feel like I'm 24, you know? Oh, in my mind, you'll always be 24 there, Kat. Ah, thanks. Get up on me. One story before the bottom of the hour here. So uh, this is kind of from the lighter side of things. Uh, this is from Reuters. This is from October 13 from Tokyo. Tokyo. <laughs> the title is a Hotel Eyes Record with, get this, $671,000 per night plan. The story starts that we want an exclusive, uh, want an exclusive uh, venue for your next party? Question mark. The Mandarin Oriental Tokyo Hotel may have the answer. Use the entire hotel, including nine restaurants and spas and rooms, for a cool six hundred seventy-one thousand dollars a night. The luxury hotel in central Tokyo began selling the plan a week ago as, uh, quote, something splashy, unquote, to commemorate its opening five years ago, said the hotel spokeswoman. It intends to apply for recognition from Guinness World Records for a reservation. Uh, 
Quote, when the hotel opened, we had an exclusive party like this, black tie, cocktail dresses. Uh, there was music and drinks and food from the restaurants, and it was quite grand. We thought it would be fun to offer the same experience to an exclusive group of guests. Under the plan, the entire hotel, 178 rooms, all nine restaurants, and all spas would be reserved from 3 o'clock in the afternoon uh, to noon the next day, it would include a cocktail reception for 500 people. The price tag is 55 million yen, or $671,800. The hotel uh, has already received a number of inquiries, mainly from companies, though individuals would be welcome as well. The quote ending here is, the only thing is you have to pick a date where there are no reservations already, not as if you could just request it for later in the week. So what would you do there, Kat, uh, with, uh, what is it, uh, nine restaurants and spas and all the rooms? What, what would you do with that? Uh, 178 guest rooms would be crazy, wouldn't it? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, the only thing I can think of that I, that I would want to have a party like that would be like New Year's Eve, you know, to New Year's Day type thing. I mean, where, right. where that could be feasible. I mean, because, like, you don't have 24 hours totally, okay? So is everybody going to be eating in different restaurants? I mean, that night or, I mean, like, you you would think you'd want one place to actually have the party in. I mean, that sounds cool, spas and stuff. But the restaurants, I'm thinking, well, and 100, you know, okay, 178 rooms times that by at least two on each room. Maybe more. I mean, that sounds really like it'd be a lot of fun. But it'd have to be, it'd have to be like a huge reason. Like I said, New Year's Eve or, you know, LSU, or you, like, another BCS. Like uh, your birthday or something like that. That, that would be huge. Well, if, if it's going to make it at all tolerable, <laughs> one coming up, I guess that would be. You'd be like, for your 40th birthday, we're all going to go there and, and hang out. Give me those over-the-hill presents, you know, that they have at Hallmark. Like yes, I, I will. Uh, I, I will throw this to the chat room here. So, what what will you get for a cat for her fortieth birthday? So, go. <laughs> we'll talk about that after the break. <laughs> I, I don't want to hear any smart aleck responses either. <laughs> uh, I won't. I won't. Uh, I won't. Uh, I won't read the smart aleck responses, but I will enjoy them. But I just I, I won't embarrass <laughs> you and. Uh, and read them. <laughs> oh, oh, I can't even believe I said. You know what? I thought about that because I've heard this recently. I don't know if it's TV or whatever. You know, you hear about all the time that women will lie about their age, at, but men don't really so much. And I always used to think, why? You know, why really lie about your age? But now I'm starting to understand it. And I don't even, you know, I feel embar- almost embarrassed in a way for people knowing how old I'm getting. And I and it's not like I look at people that are older than me and think, oh my God, look at that old person. It's not like I think that way. Ah. You know, I think it's more of an internal thing of myself. Right. Like, I just want to be young again. I just want to be in my twenties again, please. I want to be in my twenties again. Uh, your, your good friend uh, Potato Chips said uh, at, at your party they would have Cheetos and hats and party balloons. What do you think of that? Aw, she's so cute. I want all kinds of Cheetos. I want the 
regular ones, the fiery hot flaming Cheetos, and the big poofy puffy Cheetos. And cheese balls. Cheese balls. Ah, uh, cheese balls. So chat room, make your own jokes there. Put them in the chat room. So um, I'm waiting for the cheese ball jokes. So, uh, and with that, we will uh, we'll take our last break here. Well, maybe we'll have another break, but we'll take our bottom of the hour break. Um, and we have 31 minutes left in this show. Can you believe that, Cat? 31 minutes left in this show. So uh, this is flying by here tonight. It's never been a show that I've had with you that I'm like, oh, my gosh, when is this going to end? So why don't we take a break, and then uh, we have some interesting stories after the break. Let me tease everybody here. So uh, I got a story here. Michael Jackson's name back on a Hollywood school. So, Kat, don't say anything yet. I know you're probably going to say something about that. Um, Also, a, 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 a story titled Woman Who... Taunted ill girl faces assault charges, uh, and also a story we'll be talking about. Uh, I know uh, Cat loves dogs and all animals, so the title is "Dogs Can Be Optimistic or Pessimistic." So look at that there, Cat. So uh, we'll take a break here, and uh, we'll be right back on the Doctor Anonymous show for the past, I mean for the last uh, 29 minutes here. Don't go anywhere.
Welcome back to the Dr. Anonymous show for the last 27 minutes here on the show. And, of course, we have a cat on the line, and I'm going to play this before I bring her back up here because she's, you know, such a friend. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. And if you threw a party, for being a friend. No, Dr. Anonymous. No, no. Thank you for being a friend. Oh, sorry. I still got some leftover phlegm from my cold. <laughs> you say phlegm? That's awesome. That's great. Phlegm. That's how phlegm. it's spelled. Before we get into the serious stuff, well, I'm going to sneak this story in here. This is from the Associated Press from October 15. Uh, New York City's Lincoln Center says a second venue has bed bugs. Uh, it's nothing to sing about. The Lincoln Center says it has detected bed bugs in the complex's opera house, but there's good news. They're not in any public areas. New York City's preeminent performing arts center said earlier uh, reported that the pesky bugs were detected in a dressing room of the theater. That's the home of the New York City Ballet and the New York City Opera. That led the uh, Metropolitan Opera to conduct a check. It found bed bugs in some isolated areas, but not in any public areas. The Met says there's no infestation uh, and that the areas were being treated on Friday. Bed bugs have been discovered in clothing stores, office buildings, housing projects, and posh apartments throughout the city. So, uh, you know, bed bugs have been getting a lot of press in the past two or three months, especially in New York City. It makes me kind of uh, weary of going to uh, to New York City. Did you see any uh, bed bugs when you were there in New York, uh, Kat? No. But they're like microscopic. How do they even see them? I don't know, man. Put a super magnifying glass up to the bed, and <laughs> they see the they see the skeleton key there. Maybe that's it. The skeleton key. <laughs> you know, just so anybody out there knows, I call Doctor Anonymous Skeleton Key. That's his nickname. That's that I gave him, and it's a long story. But let me tell you this: while we're on the air, Doctor Anonymous, I was the Doctor Skeleton Key. Oh no. Um, I was just—I was flipping through the channels and I saw on Sci-Fi they were playing the Skeleton Key, and I totally freaked out because I had never seen that movie. But I saw—I only caught the second hour or the second hour, the second half, the you know only one hour of it, and it was an—you know—I didn't know it was like a—it's oh, not really—it's kind of horror, but it's more like a paranormal kind of ghosty story type thing. And I thought skeleton. I thought it had to do with like pirates and adventure and stuff. That's why I never watched it. But yeah. it's more like a it's more like a scary movie, but not like gross and gory. At least it's not on sci-fi, I, you know. And uh, I loved it. I can't wait to see the whole thing. Hmm. 
Have you? Did you ever see the movie? I've always seen the commercials. <laughs> ah. I've never, I've, I've never good, seen it. It's a good flick, and it's based in New Orleans. So. Oh really? Yeah. It's awesome and mm. spooky. Um, All right, so let's switch gears. So this will be our last series story tonight, and I I thought this was interesting here. So this is uh, this is from the Chicago Tribune. This is from October 16. The title is "Woman Who Taunted Ill Girl Faces Assault Charge." This is from Trenton, Michigan. A Detroit area woman who taunted a seven-year-old girl with Huntington's disease. For people who don't know what that is, that is a inherited neurological disorder, which is really bad news. Uh, so this woman has been charged with assault after police says he she tried to run over a neighbor. Uh, Jennifer Petrov was arraigned on Friday on felonious assault and reckless driving before the Woodhaven District Judge Michael McNally. The 33-year-old Trenton resident is accused of trying to run over a neighbor as she crossed the street to visit the girl's grandmother. Petrov's attorney, Scott Weinberg, tells the Detroit News that the charges are ridiculous and authorities have no evidence Whatsoever, Petrov has apologized after the feud and her neighbors escalated into taunting of Kathleen Edward, who is at the final stages of the fatal brain disorder. So this woman, this 33-year-old woman, (laughs) it's sad. She's making fun of this kid who has this fatal brain disorder. I hope they throw the book at her. I mean, it's awful. Can you say evil? Exactly. And just another, and, and just another, you know, because I think she was, you know, she was posting stuff on the internet too. I think on her Facebook or something, uh, uh, like updates on the girl, and uh, but like talking like she was dead already, or I don't know. I, you know, I read an article about what happened, but I just couldn't believe that an adult was acting like this. You know, no matter how mad you are at someone else, like she's mad at the neighbors, right? Why would she take it out on a seven-year-old girl? Unless you're a freaking psychopath, yeah. You know? Or I mean, I mean, that's like beyond immature. It's just freaking crazy and mean and psychotic. I hope they throw the book at her too. You know, I mean, how are we ever going to start dealing with with cyber bullies if we can't even get an adult who's taunting a seven year old online? Right. Right. I mean, what a pathetic piece of garbage this woman must be. Yeah. Oh, uh, upset somewhere. Exactly. Loser woman. Exactly. But, you know, <laughs> the her doing that just shows, you know, how just god-awful disgusting she is anyway. So, yeah, that poor little girl. You know, all I can say, like I said this on your show last week, is karma is a bitch. And it, it's going to come back to bite her in the butt so bad. Because even if they don't throw the book at her, something will happen that will make her wake up, you know. Right, right. You know, she should be kissing her butt and thanking God that, you know, her kid doesn't have that. Right. What is wrong with her? I want to say so much more, but I don't want to curse on the air because that's not cool. (laughs) I have class. Yes, you have. A, that's right, Kat. You have a lot of class. You're a classy, classy woman. I'm a class 
Jesse Broad, okay? I don't talk trash on the air like that. Not on the air. Not on the air? <laughs> and not on Twitter. Oh, man. I give my own confines. Oh, my gosh. All right, next no, actually, story here. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, it's uh, entertainment news. So the, this is from the Los Angeles Times from October 16. The title is Michael Jackson's name gleams again at Hollywood School. The article starts uh, for seven years. The letters proclaiming Michael Jackson Auditorium at Gardner Street Elementary recovered, placed at the behest of parents shortly after the pop singer's arrest in 2003. Now a year after his death, the sign is back. For seven years, the uh, gleaming letters that once proclaimed uh, Michael Jackson Auditorium at Gardner Street Elementary School in Hollywood were hide, hidden behind white plywood boards. The boards have been placed there at the behest of parents shortly after the pop singer was arrested on suspicion of child molestation in 2003. Since his death last year, fans have rallied for the restoration of the sign, uh, which they saw as a symbol of Jackson's legacy. The uh, Los Angeles Unified School District superintendent ordered the boards stripped away Friday, quote, in recognition of Michael Jackson's musical legacy and contributions to modern culture, unquote. A district spokesperson said the decision was made in large part because Jackson had been acquitted of criminal charges in the molestation case on Friday night. A Facebook page calling for the restoration of the sign was overflowing with joyous comments. Somebody wrote, I could cry. Another person said, I wish he were here to see this. So uh, I guess uh, his name is back on an auditorium in Hollywood. I think that is very fitting uh, for a Hollywood school. <laughs> what do you think that, Kat? You know, uh, I guess the only way to ever get rid of that tarnished image he had, I mean, uh, I know that he was still popular up till the end, okay? But still people, you know, I mean, the, the jokes about him with kids, I mean, it still went on, you know, until he died. But it seems like once he died, people seem to forget about that. Now, I'm not saying that he did because he, he, was, he was found innocent. So it's not for me to say, you know, I was not in the room with him. I still think it's weird that he slept with the kids, whether he touched them or not. It's still weird for an adult to sleep with people's kids in a bed. <laughs> That's not normal. Right. But, uh, you know, but uh, it, I don't know. It just seems like, you know, after he died, it's like people, okay, they, they, it's like they totally put that out of the, the, the equation and they only see the good things, which is probably good. I mean, when someone dies, it's probably best to focus on the good things about them, but if he did do that, or just the fact that he had, I think if somebody's accused of that, even if they're found innocent, I don't, it seems like they can never get rid of that because it's such a horrible thing, right? Right. But somehow he's managed to do it because of everything else he's done. And not mm -hmm. just the talent wise. I mean, he has done a lot for, I mean, humanity, I guess, you know, I mean, he, there's a lot of good about the guy. You know, but there's still that thing. You know, it's like if they could have proved it beyond a reasonable doubt, it would have been hard for me to see any of the good. You know, but I think because he was found innocent, and I see all the other good, I try to think of well, maybe he, maybe he didn't go that way. I mean, 
Yeah, like I said, it's weird to sleep with him and everything, but if he never touched them and he never got undressed in front of them, if he never had them undressed in front I mean, maybe he's just a little weird. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's weird, though, that after his arrest, they don't want to see it. They don't want to have anything to do with it, but now they do. Just because he died, I mean, it's, it's still the same guy. He's just not breathing anymore. I don't know. So am, I, am I making any sense? <laughs> no. I, oh yeah, of course you are. You know, it's just it's just I don't know. I mean, there's some I think some politics in there. Oh, you know, he's gone, so we could be nice to him again. And, you know, I mean, it's I don't know. It's it's ty- it's a typical Hollywood story. Is all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> well, you know, Hollywood does tend to be very forgiving anyway when it comes to celebrities when they screw up and stuff. Right. I mean, his was. Like, that's a bad screw-up, but everybody knew also that he was just so very eccentric. So it's kind of like, oh, well, he's just a crazy, uh, brilliant, genius, crazy artist. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We have a a couple stories here to finish up, and this is really bad transition or segue or whatever. But uh, so – uh, so, Kat, we, everybody knows that you are an animal lover, and I have, a, I have a, a story here for you from London, from Reuters, from October 12. The title is, Dogs Can Be Optimistic or Pessimistic? Question mark. The story starts, if your dog destroys the furniture when you are away, it could be a pessimist. Researchers have concluded a study has found that some dogs are natural gloom mongers, while others have sunnier dispositions. I'm just reading this. Uh, This is from a researcher there. We know that people's emotional states affect their judgments and that happy people are more likely to judge an uh, ambiguous situation positively, blah, blah, blah. Uh, What our study has shown is that that what applies similarly to dogs, uh, to measure canine psychology, researchers train dogs to recognize that bowls on one side of the room contained food while other bowls were empty. Then they placed the bowls in neutral locations between the two sides. Just as happy people tend to see the positive in the situation, so optimistic dogs sprinted towards the bowl expecting to find food while pessimistic dogs hesitated, hesitated and ran more slowly. You know, Kat, I thought the story was going to be actually better than it actually is. <laughs> the story seems kind of boring now. So the dogs, the dogs went to the, the dogs went to the food. Is that? I think that's what the thing is here. I don't know. Well, I mean, I think my mom's min pen happens to be a little bit pessimistic, but I love him anyway. Well, actually, he's more psychotic, but you know, so need the dog whisper from my mom's min pen, Dexter. He is a mad dog, but he's very lovable to like me and my mom. You know. And he's lovable to people once he gets to know him, but he is, like, scary. You know, he barks and barks and barks. And he's weird because, like, even though he loves me and my mom, he won't let us pick him up. He gets crazy if we start to pick him up. He tries to bite me. And he could probably take off my hand at the wrist if he wanted to. (laughs) So I'm very, very... Around him. <laughs> but, but you have cats, right? So, so do you know when when cats are in a good mood or a bad mood or whatever? Um, you know, I I think 
think I I know. Yeah, because I definitely I definitely know my cats and their behavior and stuff. Like when they need something, when they you know, I, I can even tell sometimes when they want water as compared to food, or if they just want me to love on them, or if they want me. They're awesome. I love cats. I'm a big big cat person. I'm a crazy cat lady. I hate to say it in a way, but it's true. I mean, this is the truth. I love cats. You know, I am the cat whisperer. I wish I could be a dog whisperer to help my mom's dog, but yeah, it's crazy. crazy. But I am a cat whisperer. And yes, they do have different behaviors and different personalities and all kinds of cool stuff. They're very smart creatures. Well, I don't doubt that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, you would know because you're you're the cat whisperer. Well, you know, the thing I love about cats is that, you know, people think that they're not like as friendly, right? Well, you know, because dogs will come. Not sometimes cats will come to you like a dog will, but the thing with cats is you have to earn a cat's respect. Whereas dogs, as lovable and sweet as they are, you know, they'll they'll love someone who beats them. Where a cat will be, okay, I'm out of here. <laughs> you think you're gonna beat me? Adios. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, and and they're very independent. And I guess they remind me a lot of myself. Like if I was an animal, I probably would have been a cat, just the way they're they are. You know, um, but yeah, cat sometimes comes to you like a dog does. I have one cat, Harley. He hasn't done it for some reason. He hasn't done it lately, but he fetches. Like, I'll throw a little toy mouse, and he'll go grab it and bring it back and drop it in front of me. And sometimes, there's been times where sometimes he'll go for, like, it seems like an hour back and forth playing fetch with me. He's awesome. An hour? Wow. Well, I don't know about an hour. I'm being kind of sarcastic, but, like, a long time, like many throws. (laughs) Wow. So how many pets do you have there, Kat? A few. <laughs> no, I'm I'm not like, no, okay, let me just say this. I joke about being the crazy cat lady, but I watched, I don't know if it was 2020 or a show one time about real crazy cat ladies. And the amount of cats that these women have is kind of scary, you know. And I can understand their love for the cats and not, and hating to see a stray and wanting to save them all, but then there's a time when there's too when you, it's too much, you know. Like, uh, you know, I mean, I'll just say it. Okay, I have five. I have five. <laughs> <laughs> and that sounds like a lot to some people, but these crazy cat ladies. I mean, they'll have like thirty, forty. I mean, a lot of cats. Right. A lot of cats, you know, and it's hard enough to keep up with five. I mean, you know, it's a lot of lint brushes, a lot of litter changes. I mean, I buy that that nice litter, that crystal, it's all crystal litter because it works right. so good, you know. So it's like my house doesn't smell like cat. I mean, if the litter box is real dirty, you pretty much have to be right up next to it to smell it, you know. Mm. I mean, and I don't have any carpet in the house, so it's all tile, you know. Because I, I want to make sure that I don't have one of those houses that smells really bad like cats, you know. <laughs> but uh, and it's a, like I said, a lot of lint brushes because of the hair and stuff. So it, it's a lot of work, and I know that I can't handle more than that. So if I see a stray, um, 
uh, take it to the Humane Society. But there's some strays outside that I can't catch, but I'll feed them outside because I don't want to see them starve. And they come around and they eat. So I'll feed some of the outside cats, but I don't take any more in because it's too much. So. Mm. Um, let's do. Well, we'll do one more story here, then we'll be done for the night here. So, uh, uh, this is from BBC News uh, from 13 October because they say the date backwards over there. Uh, the title is "Love Can Ease Pain," says brain researchers. Love hurts, at least according to many a romantic songwriter, but may, it may also help ease pain. Scientists suggest brain scans suggest that many of the areas normally involved in pain response are also activated by amorous thoughts. Stanford University researchers gave 15 students mild doses of pain while checking if they were distracted by gazing at photos of their beloved. The study focused on people early in romance, uh, the journal said. So the, quote, drug of love may wear off. The scientists also carried out an experiment using a functional MRI uh, to measure activity in real time in different parts of the brain. It's also been shown that for some time uh, that strong feelings are linked to intense activity in several different brain regions. These include areas linked to brain chemical dopamine, which includes the brain's feel-good state following certain stimulants from eating sweets to taking cocaine. <laughs> So for all of you out there uh, experiencing Sweetest Day, there's pleasure and pain, and there's a joke in there somewhere, but I'm not going to go there at the end of the show. So that story there, Love Conquers All. What do you think about that, Kat? I think love does conquer all. Love is like the best emotion. And I'm not just talking about romantic love. I mean just love, love, love. Love. Life is about love. If you don't have love, you don't have nothing. Or you, you don't have anything. <laughs> That's the proper way to say it. You don't have anything. Uh, and you know how I feel like God is love. Love is the meaning right. of life. <laughs> oh, so, Kat, that's, that's our show here uh, for tonight. And, uh, you know, I do want to thank uh, Annie and Burrow for vacating their time slots so you and I can hang out here. Uh, you could be my date here on the sweetest day. So uh, it's always fun hanging out with you there, Kat. Well, thank you. Yeah, I've never had a date for Sweetest Day, first of all, because I never knew it existed. But secondly, because I just never had one on Sweetest Day anyway. So, well, I may have had dates on this particular day. I don't know. But anyway, I'm glad to have been your date on Sweetest Day. <laughs> so, anything, else for us? Uh, anything else for us here this evening? Uh, we'll, we'll end a few minutes early tonight here, Kat. So, got anything else for us? Uh, no, so I love everyone, and because love is everything, and love. Remember, I said I don't know what I'm talking about. Love is life. Life is love. Love means everything. Oh, God, I need to get off the phone. <laughs> I think you're done. <laughs> I am done. 
But I just Make it like that. I will say goodnight, but I, will, I just want to thank everyone in the chat room for coming and everything. So uh, I had a great time. Happy sweetest day to everyone. And uh, until next time, mwah! <laughs> All right, we'll see you, Kat. All right, bye. <laughs> All right, kids, so we've got three minutes left here. So uh, thank you, everybody, for joining me here tonight. A special uh, two-hour episode here of the uh, Darshanov Show. My thank of, thanks, of course, to Kat as well for hanging out with me here tonight. And uh, I apologize for those people in the chat room uh, who uh, – we're having some sound difficulties. I'm thinking as part of it was my internet connection here in the Dayton, Ohio area. But uh, thanks a lot for hanging out with me here tonight. And I will close with a closing song here. And uh, I will say a good night. Next week, I'll be back home at Dr. Anonymous World Headquarters on Saturday night. But I will be in the great city of Philadelphia for a couple of weeks. So check, uh, check out me on uh, Twitter at uh, Dr. Anonymous, and you'll be able to hang out with me over there. So thanks a lot, everybody, for hanging out with me. And uh, there will be no post-show tonight. I'm going right to bed. I'm really tired. So, But uh, thank you, everybody, for hanging out with me. And I will say a good night from Dayton, Ohio. Take care, everybody. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more.